This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. So today we're going through letter number 31 on siren songs. And I tell you, this letter is just packed full of wisdom. I really, it's going to take me a while to get through this, I think, uh, but we are going to make it through. Uh, But yeah, it just every line delivers something useful to really meditate on, to really think about. Uh, And there's just so much in here that we can think about in relation to the Stoic philosophy as well. So uh, it's definitely one of those letters that I've pretty much highlighted everything, which begs the question, why highlight anyway? And so uh, I'm going to go through nice and slowly and uh, we'll see if I get through the whole thing in one episode. I definitely won't, but, you know, I might pause along the way and we'll kind of split it up into a few parts. Anyway, let's dig in. Let's start reading. So here we go. He says, quote, Now I recognize my Lucilius. He is beginning to reveal the character of which he gave promise. Follow up the impulse which prompted you to make for all that is best treading under your feet that which is approved by the crowd. I would not have you greater or better than you planned, for in your case the mere foundations have covered a large extent of ground. Only finish all that you have laid out, and take in hand the plans which you have had in mind. In short, you'll be a wise man if you stop up your ears, nor is it enough to close them with wax. You need a denser stopple than that which they say Ulysses used for his comrades. The song which he heard was alluring, but came not from every side. The song, however, which you have to fear, echoes round you not from a single headland, but from every quarter of the world. Sail, therefore, not past one region which you mistrust because of its treacherous delights, but past every city. Be deaf to those who love you most of all. They pray for bad things with good intentions. And, if you would be happy, entreat the gods that none of their fond desires for you may be brought to pass. What they wish to have heaped upon you are not really good things. There is only one good, the cause and support of a happy life. Trust in oneself. But this cannot be attained unless one has learned to despise toil and to reckon it among the things which are neither good nor bad. For it is not possible that a single thing should be bad at one time and good at another. At times light and to be endured, and at times the cause of dread. Work is not a good. Then what is good? I say the scorning of work. That is why I should rebuke men who toil to no purpose. But when, on the other hand, a man is struggling towards honourable things, in proportion as he applies himself more and more, and allows himself less and less to be beaten or to halt, I shall recommend his conduct, and shout my encouragement, saying, By so much you are better, 
Rise, draw a fresh breath, and surmount that hill, if possible, at a single spurt. End quote. Okay, so as I said, there's a lot to pick apart in this letter. And I, I want to go back to the start and kind of d- discuss these first few passages, right? Because, you know, we've, we've obviously discussed a lot that he, you get the sense, at least from a lot of Seneca's writings, that he is writing to, you know, potentially his daemon, you know, or his conscience. Uh, he's writing to that part of him that is becoming stronger and wiser and better and is is therefore turning around and helping him to, you know, uh, uh, move towards what would be better, what would be best, perhaps. And so, at the start, you see this, he's saying, you know, now I recognize my Lucilius. He is beginning to reveal the character of which he gave promise, right? Follow up the impulse which prompted you to make for all that is best, treading under your feet that which is approved by the crowd. So Seneca is starting to see real progress of his soul. He's starting to see real progress where he's he's seeing something different, he's experiencing something different, and it's pulling him towards what would be better. And that's just it's a beautiful thing to think about that Seneca is kind of writing these letters in in communion with that holy part of himself, that 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 sage-like part of himself that is is developing into this this more perfected character. I just really love that idea. And he goes on to talk about how you will become a wise man uh, when you stop up your ears, you know, block your ears from these siren songs, right? He gives the example of Ulysses. Uh, where he's basically, you know, going past this island and he has his men tie him to the mast of the ship so that he doesn't get tempted to go onto this island where where these sirens are singing. You know, the siren is that thing that has that sweet sound, that sweet call, right? That That beautiful voice that is calling you towards it. But in the end, you know, it's going to devour you, essentially. Uh, And that's the mythological idea, right? And we have to think about this. uh, We need to draw the meaning out of this by looking into our lives and thinking, you know, what... What is the siren song in our lives, right? And so let's have a think about that. You know, Seneca is saying, well, you know, uh, I'm starting to see that beautiful Lucilius, right? He's coming forth. I'm, I'm really starting to recognize that we're making progress here. Here's what happens when you make progress in philosophy. It becomes a lot harder on yourself to fall backwards into vice and away from virtue, right? And so when you start to really understand why the things that you do wrong are truly wrong and why the things that you do right are truly right, uh, you know, then... you start what what's happening is you're developing your conscience right or your conscience is being developed it's kind of like that story in pinocchio right i mean uh, i've talked about this before but one of the cool things about the disney version of pinocchio is you see at the start the conscience which is represented by the little cricket right that little thing that that speaks into the ear and tells you what to do and at first it's not that sophisticated and and by the end it, it's become quite sophisticated the end of the kind of hero's journey the the philosophical path of becoming wiser and stronger and better, you know, and so at the start of the movie, the cricket is kind of dressed in these shabby clothes, gives kind of 
crappy advice, really. Uh, and then by the end of it, it's dressed in a tuxedo, you know, it gives the best advice. It's led, it's led Pinocchio through this journey of, 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 of human development, right, until he has a more perfected character, a more perfected way of seeing the world, and, and a more perfected sense of what is right and wrong, and that is what is becoming a true man. That's what's becoming a true human being and not just a puppet, right, where, where things are constantly leading you and you're not in control of anything, right? So anyway... This is the philosophical path where we're trying to develop that conscience within us that is going to give us better and better advice. And when we do better at that, or perhaps when that conscience is developed to a higher degree, it becomes more and more difficult to go against that advice, right? And, and so you think, well, okay, when you're on a philosophical path, you're going to start to recognize some sirens in your life, right? These are the sweet things that call out to you, you know, that, that, that promise of true joy and they promise of, of true fulfillment and true enlightenment, right? But then when we engage in these things, we realize that they're just terrible for us, you know? That's the way that I look at this. You think, uh, okay, you're going through the grocery store, right? And you see this delicious... Uh, moose cake or something like that, right? And you think, oh, that looks amazing. That's a siren song. It's got a sweet a sweet sound that calls out to you, right? And to say, oh, eat me, eat me. This is going to bring you some true joy. Perhaps the healthier foods don't necessarily have that <laughs> sweet sound, right? But perhaps when you engage in a dialogue with your inner conscience, right, you realize uh, it's probably better to go with the healthy foods. I'll give you another classic example of a siren song. Man, when when I watch YouTube sometimes, right, uh, <laughs> there's this advertisement that keeps on coming up from this woman who her business is basically teaching people how to make a whole bunch of money on Amazon selling or uh, selling uh, ebooks, right? And her whole thing is ridiculous. Her whole thing is about how she, you know, works four hours a week and she's creating hundreds of ebooks, right? And she doesn't even have to write these ebooks. She gets, you know, other people to write them or she just gets it from content online or something like that. I don't know how she does it, but, but apparently she's not writing anything, but she's selling hundreds of ebooks and she's making all this money. That's a siren song, right? Because to, you know, somebody who perhaps doesn't necessarily have a sense of honor, they'll, they'll look at that and they'll think, ooh, you know, maybe I could make hundreds, thousands of dollars a week by doing four hours of work and not writing anything and doing absolutely nothing to contribute value, right? But, but oh, maybe I could make hundreds of thousands of dollars a week just from doing four hours. That's amazing. That's a siren song because it's sweet to the ear, right? It pulls you in. It makes you think, ooh, you could have true joy, financial happiness, all this sort of stuff. Goods of the world for doing zero work. It's like, it's like the ultimate hedonistic pursuit, right? But that's a siren song. That's a siren song because it calls you in. But to the person on the philosophical journey, you have to learn the difference between a siren song and a song that is true and right and pulls you in for the right reasons, right? And that's why we try to develop a better relationship with virtue and we try to follow virtue more because virtue are these things that, you know, will never devour you. You know, virtue is the thing that can never be bad, can never be askew, is always good. And we try to figure out what is that? How do I follow that as opposed to all these siren songs around me that are pulling me towards these goods of the world that will not bring true satisfaction or happiness? 
Okay, so I just went on like a five-minute rant about siren songs, but nonetheless, the point is that Seneca is on this philosophical path of really trying to keep himself away from those siren songs. He wants to keep his eyes directed toward virtue, the true good, right? And another thing that Seneca says about this, which is quite interesting, he, he mentions, you know, block up your ears even against those who love you most, right? Because they pray for bad things for you with good intentions, right? And, and so we have to think about this as well, that sometimes the siren song can come from those who love us most, who say, you know, I really want you to be, you know, rich. I want you to have a beautiful house or I want you to have that beautiful car. I want you to have what you want, you know, go get it, you know, or you're fine just the way you are, you know, just learn to love yourself, that sort of stuff. It's like, we all know that perhaps we could be better, right? But that perhaps we could be moving towards higher aims, that perhaps there is something that we are not contributing, that we could contribute if we decided to go on that philosophical path of personal enlightenment, right? And so, you can have a think about this, that there's there's the potential that some people in your life, uh, though they have good intentions, and we must love them for that, and we care for them for that, right? That's a beautiful thing that people want what they believe is best for us. That's what we need to recognize, right? But But we need to say, okay, I need to figure out what is best for me, right? I need to figure that out. Otherwise, you know, I might fall prey to the siren songs of those who say, you know, I really want that financial success for you. I want you to have all of the the hedonistic goods that you want in your life. Well, I mean, is that really what's going to be best for you? You know, or is the philosophical path going to lead you to a life of deep, deep meaning and personal enlightenment, you know, personal enrichment of the soul, right? And is that what would be better for you? So, we, we need to really, I mean, this this is what Seneca goes on to say, and I, I had a hard time wrestling with this, but it's starting to, to kind of come to light a little bit more. He says, uh, there is only one good, the cause and the support of a happy life trust in oneself, right? And so, and when he says this, right, because he's been saying, block up your ears because these siren songs, they're coming at every single angle, right? What he's essentially saying is that make sure that when you make a decision about moving towards what would be better for you, you're making that decision based on your own judgment. Trust in yourself. Don't don't trust in the voices of the world and the voices of people around you. But as Jim Rohn said, make sure that everything that you do is the product of your own conclusion. And this is that internal solitude, right, that is talked of by the poet Rilke or by uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. It's that solitude of the philosophical life where you really have to look within and you have to go on that journey within yourself to discover what is most true, what is most right, what is most virtuous, you know, what is most beautiful, what is most wise. And that's something that nobody outside of you can tell you. You have to do that. You have to do the work and you have to trust in yourself, right? You have to trust that you are on that path, right? And and, and that's that's it's a difficult life, but but man, that internal solitude can also be beautiful. And so from here, Seneca is going to go on and talk about what can potentially get in the way of us kind of trusting that part of ourselves that would seek the highest things, seek the better things on our philosophical journey. This is why I said, you know, but this cannot be attained, this being trust in oneself, one's own journey, right? Uh, this cannot be attained unless one has learned to despise toil and to reckon it among the things which are neither good nor bad. 
for it is not possible that a single thing should be bad at one time and good at another, at times light and to be endured, and at times the cause of dread. Work is not a good. Okay, so here we're seeing the Stoicism come right in here, you know, like he's saying that work is not a good, it's, it's neither good nor bad, uh, and, and that really is the Stoic framework, right? Work is not a virtue, right? Because you can be working towards the purposes of, of evil and vice, or you can be working towards the purposes of good or virtue, you know? Um, and he goes on to say, well, then what is good? I say the scorning of work. That is why I should rebuke men who toil to no purpose. But when, on the other hand, a man is struggling towards honourable things, in proportion as he applies himself more and more, and allows himself less and less to be beaten or to halt, I shall recommend his conduct, and shall shout my encouragement, saying, By so much you are better. Rise, draw a fresh breath, and surmount that hill, if possible, at a single spurt. So Seneca is saying, listen, if you're working towards honorable purposes, good, virtuous purposes, if you're struggling uphill towards what would be absolutely best for yourself and the world, right, then that is a great thing and I will absolutely shout my encouragement. But on the other hand, as I said, you can also be working towards evil purposes. So when Seneca says, scorn work, right, to me, it appears that he's actually saying, you know, uh, work is neither good nor bad, so you don't need to worry about that, right? What you need to focus on is your aims, right? So, scorn work because it's it's not something that is, you know, have a think about it like this. We live in a society right now that so idolizes productivity and working hard and pushing yourself to that next level and all this sort of stuff. And there's there's sort of a niceness to that in that, you know, we are struggling upwards towards something, hopefully. But but nonetheless, right, the, the thing that we often get wrong is that there's no virtue in productivity. You know, productivity can participate in virtue by being productive towards virtuous aims, right? But there's nothing virtuous about just filling your time with tasks, right? There's nothing virtuous about being busy. There's nothing virtuous about being, you know, a workaholic, for example. Because you could be, as I said, a workaholic towards, uh, you know, uh, terrible aims. Name any one of them, right? And so that's the point that Seneca is trying to make here. You know, forget about work. Forget about productivity. All this sort of stuff. It doesn't matter as much as what it is that you are aiming at. If you get that right, then man, struggle uphill as much as you can, right? Great. If you've got that aim right, right? Perfect. But if not, well, you know, you're just wasting your time essentially and and, and you're not doing anything good with your work. So anyway, uh, this is uh, th- there's a lot to take away from this letter. I'm probably going to pause it there. This is a long enough episode to pause, refresh our minds. We'll come back to this letter in the next episode, and uh, we'll see how far we get. Uh, I hope you've taken something away from this, and remember that, that a lot of this is to be meditated on, to be really thought about in your life, and and, and put it up against your own life, and, and see if any of this resonates with your own personal experience. Uh, apart from that, I'll uh, talk to you next time.